Hello, I'm Ruth, the host of Unleash Your Goddess. Today we delve into Freya Perry's life. She worked in the travel industry, spent time with David Bowie, two failed toxic marriages, had a life-changing horrendous head injury, but she, but she never gave up. Freya got into colour and healing therapies, wrote and published books, became an artist. No wasn't an option with Freya. Find out how she pressed through and affirmations changed her life. I'm so pleased that Freya is coming on today and she's sharing her story. Okay, Freya, thank you for coming along today. I really appreciate you coming along and here to tell your story and your journey and how and how you found healing through everything that you've been through um, and, and how, how you got here today. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Nice to be invited, to be honest. It's always good if you can inspire somebody else. You know, life takes us through so many ups and downs, some great highs, but some really difficult lows. And um, if what I've been through helps somebody else, then um, all power to it. I, I'm all for that. So yes. thank you for what you do. You're welcome. Um, why, why did you want to tell your story? You know, when I put it out, obviously, on Facebook. Uh, what reason did you want to think oh yes I'd love to share my story well I think like many women I've been through so many ups and downs I'm 75 going on about 57 and I kind of never stop Um, I just enjoy life Um, but I've had lots of things that have happened which have taken me to my depths and I came out of them through different modalities and then the latest um, thing was a very big head injury a freak accident which um, I never thought I'd come out of. And it it led me to so many wonderful new things. And if I can get through all that, then other people, if they're going through difficulties, um, might think, oh, yeah, I could do that or maybe that. Yes, thank you. Where was you brought up? I was brought up in Liverpool, so I've not really got the accent. Um, My folks didn't want me to have a big Liverpool accent. Oh, it is northern. So they sent me to what I call electrocution lessons, Ooh. not elocution, but <laughs> electrocution. So I was brought up in Liverpool and I loved it. And I used to do ferry across the Mersey and all those sorts of oh. things. And and then moved away when I got to about 19 or 20. Lovely. And why did you move away? Um, it was through work, really. I always wanted to work in the travel industry. So I, I worked at Liverpool Airport and had a wonderful time. And then it was, I was offered the opportunity to go and work as a travel rep in um, Costa Brava. And so I took the opportunity with both hands. Yeah. And would you believe, got flu on the way out. Oh, uh, no. So settling in was quite a trauma. And when I got there, the everything that they said would be set up for me wasn't. And oh. I had to fly out of my pants. Oh, and I've been doing that ever not since. Ever since. <laughs> I think that's life, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, how, sure. How long was you there for? I was only in Spain for a season. I went out in, um, well, I, was, I think it was April. I can't remember now. It was so far back. Came home at the end of the season, um, October time. Lovely. And, and came back fluent in Spanish, though I'm not now. But if I went back there, I know it would come back again. I've, yeah. I've been on holidays and it comes back. Yeah, yeah. You, you soon pick it up again, don't you, once you've learned it, I think. Yeah. And so so you came back and did you stay in the travel industry when you came back? Yeah, um, yeah I got into a marriage, would you believe? Um, I had worked at Liverpool Airport and my first husband had worked at um, Cardiff Airport. And when I came back, we got together and decided to get married. So I moved down to Cardiff, still working in travel. So altogether, I worked in travel for about 25 years. Wow. Loved every minute yeah. of it, every single different job that I did. Oh. 
Lovely. That's lovely. How, how long were you married for? Uh, that marriage was short-lived. It was only about 18 months, two years. And he was the one that decided one day he woke up and said, I don't want a marriage. I don't want 2.5 kids. I don't want the house. I'm sorry. It's over. And I was devastated. And at that time in my life, I'm not where I am now. And I really went into the depths of despair. It took me probably seven years to overcome um, my hurt, my pain, and wondering what did I do wrong. But yes. of course, I know now with hindsight and with age yes. that yes. Um, it takes two, and there's many reasons that a relationship breaks down. That's right. How old was you when when you split? I at uh, twenty one. <laughs> oh wow, you're only young. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, um, it was hard. I I tried a few times. We met up and whatever, um, and some weird stories over the years. But eventually, I came across a friend who was involved in complementary medicine and healing in a whole variety of ways and worked with affirmations. And she said to me, do you want to stay like this the rest of your life? And I went, good heavens, no, 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 no. no. She said then, now is the time to, to, to do something about it. Lovely. And is that when you got into the colour and healing and the aromatherapy? Was that Yeah, that it was about that. Yeah, it was round about that time. I mean, I, I loved colour. I was fascinated um, when I was a kid, and it digresses a bit. I remember my mum saying, I'll take you out for a new party dress for school. I was about six or seven, and I wanted a particular shade of yellow. Um, and after seven shots and not the right shade of yellow, um, we went into the last store and we found this dress. I went, there it is, that's the one. Um, and my mum was ever so patient. She knew that colour meant a lot to me because... I didn't understand it then, but it, it was the vibration, the energy of the colour. Yes. And um, and then she said, you know, what shoes? And I went, oh, black patent leather with gold buckles. Um, and we couldn't get them on the day, but she turned up at the school gate with them the next day with silver buckles. I was Aww. so disappointed, but Aww. bless her. Um, but when by the time I got to the sixth form and out of uniform, I could wear my own clothes. Oh, my gosh, that was beautiful. But I went on into colour in a much deeper way after the travel industry. I came across um, a lady um, who wrote this beautiful book about know yourself through colour, Marie Louise Lacey, who has sadly passed now. And I went and studied with her and it just opened up my eyes. I thought, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Wow. Wow. Um, it was fascinating. I did my dissertation. I did everything. And from then on, my life was about colour and healing in a whole variety of ways. So was that during the seven years after your marriage ended? No. In fact, after that time, just after my marriage, I went into lots of different things. I, I joined the travel industry still, went and worked on board a ship, <laughs> run away to sea. Oh, wow. I did so many things. So at that stage, I was totally into my work. Yeah. But there yes. was always something missing. You know, yeah. you, you kind of think, no, this isn't, there's more to life than this. So it yes. was after that period. So, so what would you say, so I keep going back to them seven years, what got you through your down days? Do you know what? I don't remember a lot of it now. And thank goodness, you know, one of my things is this too will pass. Yeah. I don't know how I got through those seven years other than I worked very hard. I, I suppressed it all, to be quite honest. Yeah. And I just got on with every job that I loved. I loved the travel industry. I moved jobs every maybe three or four years except for the last one at British Aerospace, which was about 11 or 12. And fortunately, from that one, I got redundancy, which is what moved me on to my colour and healing. Yes, um, yeah. But I, I'd say at that stage, work, 
Um, I gritted my teeth, but I suppressed everything. And I know now that that is not good. Yeah. What would you say now to your former self? Don't be quite so afraid of expressing your feelings. I stuck it all down inside me. I would never say what I really felt. Yeah. Explore your feelings. Allow them out. Um, Don't let anybody else subjugate you. Yes. Yeah. No, that's lovely. So tell me about something that touched your heart and changed your life. Um, I think probably the thing that there's many things that's changed my life. I can't give you just one. There was Mary Louise Lacey with her book and doing the color. There was a wonderful lady in my life called Rosalie Beach, a Canadian who is now living in Australia. And she introduced me to the whole world of Louise Hay and affirmations and coming through that. So that was very beautiful. I went into schools at one stage of my life and talked and worked with color. And and something that touched me there was a little boy. I was getting them to write a little rainbow um, sentence so they could remember the order of colors for the rainbow. And this little boy wrote, raspberries on your great big iced vanilla Aww. and that's the Roy Biv yeah and and that stuck in my mind forever and another little girl came with um rushed off young boys girls in view oh wow and that was I mean that really touched my heart and, yeah. and it was lovely all the schools that I've worked with the kids with you know just helping to open their eyes to color but to think of their senses and color and not just oh well yeah someone's got blue on today or school uniforms green yeah yeah no that's lovely so so you worked in hospitals in cancer care and schools was that with the color therapy um yeah I went um um in Portsmouth there's a hospital called uh, Queen Alexandra Hospital yeah and um, League of Friends um, had heard of me knew about me and they funded me to do massage and aromatherapy and what I called color and sensory play color healing for 10 years it was a really wonderful period of my life so I worked in elderly medicine I worked on the staff I worked on the children's wards and I worked on um, elderly medicine cancer care wards well, was that part of the healing for you as well? I, I guess whatever we're doing is healing for us wherever we are in our life. It's just looking at it differently. Um, I began to become a lot more open, um, a lot more knowing. Um, some people would call it psychic. Some people might say intuitive. And the more that I worked in those realms, the more that that became open to me. So I would sense um, what was wrong with people, what was right with people. But in the end, after 10 years, I decided that I needed to give it up because um, I was kind of running a bit ragged and I couldn't give of my best. I did that. Yeah, I had to leave that behind and then move into something new. Because I would have thought that it would take quite a bit out of you to be doing that, to give of yourself to, you know, it must have been quite hard. A lot of rewards, but, but it was, yeah, it must have taken a lot out of you. Yeah, it was tremendously rewarding. But in the end, you know, I, uh, to begin with, I could detach from it all. But towards the end, the more open that I become, the more knowing, the more intuitive. And I would know who was going to make it and who wasn't going to make it. That was really quite difficult yeah. to um, to deal with. Yeah. Um, and I thought, I'm not giving of my best. Let somebody else come along and do that work. And I'll move sideways, so to speak. And there'll be something else that will open up in my life. And I truly believe that, you know, one door closes and another one always opens. Yes, certainly. Yeah. I always say that. I believe that. And sometimes it's hard to close that door. But once you take that step and close that door, then it's like, whoa, 
it all happens. <laughs> but if you fight against closing that door and just kind of sit there and it, it just things you just become stagnant. It just doesn't it just doesn't work, does it? Um, when you start getting that push to close that door, right? Time to move on. Time to you know do something new. And it's quite scary, isn't it? It is. You know, when I was talking about those seven years, you know, a, a wee bit back in the conversation, um, I was scared and I didn't want to change. And I kept doing what I knew. And there's safety in doing what you know. Yes. Um, but then there does come a day when you think, OK, I've really got to close this door and go into something else. And you think, gosh, what was all that about? Because the something else is even greater, better, more fun um, yes. or whatever leads you on a new path. That's right. That's right. Yes. You wrote a book. What was that book called? I've written several. Um, when I was at the hospital, I wrote a book called Sensations, which was all about colour, flowers and fragrance. Mm-hmm. And the League of Friends um, wrote the, the beginning of the book for me. And I, I, I set up a little publishing company then and did a print run of about 2000. And I literally foot slogged around the shops in Portsmouth and Gosport and Fairham wow. and you name it. And I did a book signing in Fairham and I sold 60 books within an wow. hour. And I just, how did that happen? Because they said, you know, even their best things didn't get that many sales. But I think when something is really right for you, and I, I call it vibrationally, when the energy feels good, things yes. happen for you. Doors do open when you lose that fear. So that book sadly is out of print now. Um, but not sadly in other ways, because I didn't want to continue in that healing mode. And I didn't want that as my work. I wanted to move forward into something else. Yes. And how easy was it to set up a publishing company? Well, I just researched all the information of what you needed to do. And um, the Internet is a wonderful um, source of um, information for us. And then I got a friend who um, did the cover for the book for me and a local publisher, uh, a company just up the road from me said, yeah, we'd love to take that on for you. And they they did way beyond what I, I thought I needed. And they said, no, you need A, B, and C, and D, E, and F. Oh. And by the time they got to Z, I thought, oh, my gosh, I've learned a lot in this. But um, yeah. they supported me all the way, and it was lovely. And I, I sold all but 100 books, and the last 100 I gave to the Rowan's Hospice just to give away to people. Lovely, yeah. No, and, and then after that, I, I've written other books, but in a totally different vein because – I went on to other things and I started writing fairy stories, little moral tales. So I've still got some books ongoing and a ton in my computer still, um, which is on its last legs. Um, So I'm just about to get a laptop. I'm I'm a slow learner in that field. Um, But there's so much that I, I feel I'm given. I just think, oh, I've got an idea for a story and I sit down and I don't know where it comes from. You know, I just keep writing or typing um it's a gift and, and ideas too, which is wonderful yeah, that is and um, so so we're going to move on to your second marriage how old is you when you got married oh gosh time? you know what I could have been 42 or 48 I'd have to sit down and work out all the sums um, yeah. and I thought the second marriage was going to be wonderful and I don't really want to spend a lot of time on it no, but it was quite fine. disastrous yes and um, I walked out of it with nothing yeah just my suitcase of clothes and then I thought, so what do I do now? <laughs> but it took a lot of courage to do it. It was a lot of toing and froing, leaving and going back, leaving and going back. And in the end, I thought, uh, what we would now call gaslighting. Um, yes. I can't do this anymore. I'm worth yeah. more than that. Yeah. Um, and it was a case of starting all over again. And a friend of mine had 
the upstairs floor of his house totally free, turned it into a little flat, and that's where I lived. Oh, perfect. So that was nice, again, by you stepping out and closing that door, another one opened. No idea where I was going to go. I thought, I've got no money in the bank right now. I mean, we all have a little, but I thought, I can't go and rent. I can't do this. I can't do that. What am I going to do? And I think when you have the... um, that knowing inside that this is the right time to do it. I closed the door and I thought, okay, well, what now? And I stayed with a friend for a few days and another friend for a few days. And then this darling friend um, just said to me, yeah, I think it's about time you'd come and took over the top floor of my house. Um, So things do open up for us. Um, When we close something down, we leave a space and that space has to be filled, you know, um, we abhor a vacuum, um, and that vacuum, that space has got to be filled. Yes. And so this guy came and said, have this home, which was just wonderful. That's, that's lovely. That's lovely. Do you feel someone's been watching over you all your life? I do feel I've got a guardian angel. Um, I went to a workshop many, many years ago. It could have been 20 or 30 now. And um, the woman teaching it was saying that they are around us and can you feel them? And without a word of a lie, hand on my heart, I felt like somebody had reattached my wings to my back, like I was a little earth angel. Uh And I I came out of my meditation with a jolt and looked around around the room thinking, somebody's just come up and touched me. There was nobody near me. The rest of them were deep in meditation. And from that day forth, I, I really do feel that I have got a guardian angel, but I I believe in them and, and I will have a night meditate and, and call upon them if I need their help. No, that's just, and how do you have you got any tips for meditating? I myself, I find it hard to meditate. I know there's a lot of people that do. What was your breakthrough when you started meditating? Well, do you know, I think it was probably fairly recently. Um in the past, I found it quite hard to focus you know, on a candle or do this or do that. And all these thoughts would come in and out. And someone said to me, uh, maybe about a year ago, have you read the book, The Secret, which I had? And they said, well, there's a second one called Magic. And I went, mm, I'm not sure about that title. And they went, no, 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 no. It's about gratitude. And they said, you do a meditation every morning and every evening. Um, and you are grateful for everything in your life. So when I got up this morning, still lying in my bed, I think I'm grateful and I thank this comfy bed and the sheets and the fact I could put them on the line yesterday and they got dry. And I, I thank that I've got a home and I thank this and my friends and the people that helped me yesterday. I do that every morning and evening without fail. So it's not a meditation where you've got to think, oh, I've got to still my mind and look at a candle and do this and do that. It's a very practical way of saying thank you for everything that is good in your life. So there is no room for any negativity whatsoever. Yes, it turned yes. my life around last year totally. Positivity, isn't it? And the way you, yeah, your absolutely. mindset, isn't it? Funny enough, yeah. I picked that book up in a charity shop and I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I've lost my voice. Oh, I haven't do, read do. it yet. So I'm going to read that now. <laughs> it, it takes you through step by step, um, you know, day by day, week by week over a period of four weeks of adding more and more things in and how you can build it up. And and I do it, as I say, hand on heart, every morning and every evening in my bed. And I have never, ever missed one day. Not at all. No, that's a, that's a brilliant idea. I'm going to try that one. I'm going to do that. I hope so, you enjoy. <laughs> yes, thank you. 
So we're going to move forward to the, the morning of your accident. Was that in the flat? <laughs> no, I'd, I'd got a house by them. Um, okay. I'd left my friend's place and um, a relative of mine um, had helped me to buy my current home. And I, I was still at that stage running around um, doing too much as we women do and I thought well I've got five minutes before I leave home I'll just dust that shelf there and maybe I'll get the vacuum cleaner out I've got five minutes (laughs) and I was dusting at the bottom of the shelf and on the top was a very heavy sculptural pot ceramic pot and I knocked it off and it hit me on the head and knocked me unconscious for two and a half hours and I was home alone Um, and you know with kids when they have an accident and you think, oh, they've got a little bit of bruise or a bump, yeah. and they have got an owie, and you just yeah. rub it better. I did that with my head. I just thought, ooh, that hurt a bit. Yeah. And then I looked at my watch and thought, oh, my gosh, that was two and a half hours ago. But do you know what? I thought nothing of it. I made myself a cup of tea, as we Brits do, yeah. a nice cup of tea. <laughs> and then um, I decided I would get on with my day. But um, some weeks later, a friend of mine said to me, are you okay? And I went, I think so. She said, well, you don't sound it. And I said, oh, that's strange you should say that because, you know, a load of friends knocked on the door at midnight the other night and said what I'd put on Facebook was gobbledygook and I thought I'd written something that was sensible. She said, well, you're not sounding sensible now. And she took me straight to QA. And they looked at me and they went, when did this happen? And I said, uh, 10 days ago. And they oh. went, oh, my, oh, no, we don't know how you're still alive. Two and a Uh, half hours unconscious. But strangely enough, the guy that was on duty that night was one of the guys I worked with on the wards in QA hospital all those years ago. Wow, it's meant to be. And I'm not saying I got favoritism, but he knew me and I got CT scans and MRIs. And another doctor saw me, said her husband had fallen out the loft just recently and bashed his head, done something similar. And I went, Oh, well, it's nice to know that you know what to do. So I said, if I just take a week or two off, I'll be okay. And she goes, no, you're going to need at least six months. And I went, pardon? She said, you need to take six months out of life and you really need to heal. She said, you've no um, brain bleed. We know that. But we don't know what other things have happened in there with neurons, axons and all those sorts of words. You need to take at least six months to heal. And she said the most important thing is this is a major concussion and it will start to come out little by little by little. And these are the sorts of things to look for, of which I had absolutely no idea. It was truly devastating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So so what sort of changes did you have to make? Well, from from when I saw that doctor and I got home and a few days later, I, things started happening like I couldn't bear noise. I couldn't watch the TV. I couldn't put music on. I went to the computer. I couldn't focus on it. Um, I had to cut that out altogether. I couldn't drive. I knew it wasn't safe, so I just didn't. Walking, I was very unsteady. And I, I know one day I went down to the seafront to get a coffee or a tea at one of the little places. And they know me well. And when I got to the kiosk and she said, what do you want? I just looked at her. I just stared at her and nothing would come out of my mouth. And my brain felt like there was a big black hole. And I just thought, I've died. I'm not here. I'm dead. And she just said to me, 
take your time. The people can wait. And I don't know whether that was 10 seconds or two minutes. I don't know. And then I just suddenly went, oh, um, a cup of weak tea, please. And as I walked away, this little child, I don't know, she was four maybe, carrying this beautiful little fairy bunny rabbit. And she said to me, I think you need to come and sit with me and my mummy and daddy and you need my rabbit against you. He's oh. very good at giving hugs. Oh. And I thought, you know, children know so much. Yes. They're, they're very open and very aware until yeah. we get stuff knocked out of us in school and life. And I sat with that family for 45 minutes and oh, that wow. child said, you just hug my bunny. It's full of love. Oh. And so I did. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I can't begin to imagine how how scary that must have been because you're living on your Having own. That, that black hole thing happened many, many times. Yeah. And one of the things that was very difficult for me way back then um, was um, I couldn't cope with noise. And very sadly, although many of the things are now fine, I drive, I go out, I walk the beach, I do so very many things, I... I got into art through my accident, um, a lot of things, but I cannot tolerate noise. I have something called hyperacusis. And so things may sound like 150 decibels. So I can't go into a cafe or a restaurant anymore because I can't bear the noise of the cutlery and the, the dishes. And if there's a group of people, four, five or six, my brain can't filter somebody out. So I'm giving my concentration to one person i'm the same and that's never, yeah. ever gone i've got me so i'm the same oh. yeah i yeah. can't take noise and people yeah. don't understand you know if you turn down going for a coffee or or something like that it's you don't want to keep going on about it and i don't like to broadcast it i'm quite independent and proud so i don't broadcast it but it's it is it's hard so you you then got into art what got you into, yeah. into the arm? It, it was quite interesting, actually, because I, I wanted to do, I mean, I'd always been creative. So yeah. I'd always got my sewing machine and doing bits and pieces and sort of kind of mixed media. As part of what I wanted to do something new and I wanted to dabble with paints and get my fingers dirty and wet. And I had the opportunity to, to get a studio. I'd had one in the past when I was making fairies and wings and all that sort of stuff, three-dimensional art dolls. But that kind of felt like something past. But I wanted to do something new. And I got a studio big up in a big open plan building. And I suddenly realized that I wanted to paint. So I got all the paints and the canvases. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I can paint. I didn't know I could do that because I was always quite hopeless at, well, I can't draw. And that went back probably to at school. We, we had exams one year and I did my painting and they said, do you know what? This was the school teacher at the time. That was pretty hopeless. I don't think you'd better even go into art next year. Oh, and no. I thought, oh, my God, That's I was awful. desolate. And my mum didn't want to go to school. She didn't want to go and tell anybody. But the next year when we went back to school, in the, you know, in the September yes. or whatever, um, the first week I went into art class and this teacher said to me, okay, today we're going to do such and such. And she must have seen the horror on my face. And she said, what's up? I went, I can't draw a bird, miss. It won't look like a bird. And she said, who told you that? And I told her the story. She said, well, have you got a good imagination? I think you have. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got a good imagination. She said, well, do you know what I mean if I said about other planets and other galaxies? And I went, oh, yeah, that's something that I like. She said, well, 
how about if this bird came from a planet where it may have only had one eye or two eyes were different and its wings were both different and its colors were great and they had a bit of sparkle in them could you draw me that and I went well of course I can she said we'll do it and it was put on the wall for the whole year oh Hmm. wow that's it it's down to the teacher isn't it they have such an influence in their lives so when I had my studio I got into painting and I thought I can do this I want to do this and I explored and I did online courses and went to some people locally and um and then I just started selling I did workshops I did exhibitions locally around Portsmouth and South Sea um and then people on Facebook said well that's wonderful do you think I could buy it so they went to America and Canada and um, Portugal and Spain and Australia and I just thought this is wonderful I said you sent me some of your work and it's lovely it really is inspirational so your um tell us about the USA radio chat show that you was asked to do what was that about through Facebook I'd been following various programs and things um yeah um people's posts and there was a this lady um in America who had her husband had had a, a brain injury and she was working with others with brain injury and she got in touch with me and she just said, um, I'd like your story. Um, you know, you seem to have read, led an interesting life and how come you got into this art if you never did, it, never did it before? So I told her the story as I have with you and she just said that they've often found that when one's had a head injury like that, it opens up something else within you. It's wow. something that's been dormant wow. and people, have found that they could paint and they've never painted before and it's like was the story the rain man that that movie all those years ago um the brain does all sorts of things and you just think well I don't know how I can do that but I can so she interviewed me for an hour live one one and we still keep in touch and she's got three of my art pieces on her wall as well which is rather nice there's something that happened wasn't there when you had to give up the art was that right yes um uh, as usual, once I got into it, I kept thinking, oh, I can do more, I can do uh, more. And, um, you know, when I really needed to settle down and maybe do one or two days a week, I was doing five days a week. And then one day I was there painting and doing things and the noise in there got greater and greater because it was a cafe that was open plan and mums came in with babies and push chairs and children cry. It's their nature. Yeah. And the the level of sound of the children crying, I, I just screamed wow. out at the top of my voice, please, will you all stop it? And then I thought, it's not them, it's me. Yeah. And I tried to get earplugs, um, but my it, they just don't work for me. And I had Bose noise-canceling earphones, um, but I couldn't live in earphones because leaving them on for two or four hours I would get um, ear infections. And and it was just the time to close it down and go within again, which was kind of scary because it's like, what do I do next? But it it wasn't about what I do next. It was about literally doing nothing. And that's really hard to do nothing and trust. That is, yeah, that is. I struggle with it. I do struggle with it. So how did you stop? Did you knit? Well, um, I, I do knit and I've still got my sewing machine and I had some ideas of what I wanted to do with um, writing. But I think if I look to the past two years, we were all forced to stop. And many people have said um, they enjoyed this freedom that we had back then. 
Um, it wasn't freedom, really. But I stopped totally because I had to. Um, all I did was I got up each morning and I walked to the beach. And you have to remember, I'm 75. You know, I'm not 30, 40, 50 yeah. and in a job. Yeah. I walked the beach every morning. I got my stamina up. I had been to the ME clinic because mine had developed into that as well. And I had to keep a little book of what I did, how much time I rested, which made me realize that I never really rested. Yeah. And um, so that first year of shutdown, the first four months in that lockdown, I did nothing. And I suddenly felt well um, because there was no pressure at all. You know, my my little house was paid for. I could put enough food um, in, you know, in my tummy, in my fridge. Yes, yes. Um, and I, I did nothing, nothing except go out in the sunshine, walk the beach, commune with the seagulls, <laughs> find things on the beach, take lots of photographs. I put them on Facebook every day. I found something. And for most of that year, I did nothing. And I was the healthiest I've ever been. Yeah, I think sometimes yeah, the universe is just like it's just saying stop. Okay, now's the time to stop. It's so hard. You feel I, I myself feel like I'm being lazy if I if I just sit there and do nothing. But it's it's needed. It, it's needed. It isn't lazy. Is I think you know this is something that's put on us. And if your body needs to rest, it needs to rest. Yes. Um, I'm yeah. in a different situation to you because I'm much older than you. But there are days, I mean, last week, Thursday, I did nothing. I slept most of the day because I'd done too much the previous two days. Yeah. And you have your ME. I did have that. I think I'm through most of it. But my brain got really inflamed from, from that accident. And lots of the neurons and axons and things were problematic. And I still get time. I have to pace myself. I get what they call flooding of the brain. Yeah. And cognitively I, I just can't cope so many people when they phone me you know companies and things and I've got to sort something out I come off the phone and I'm brain dead for a day yeah yeah um, no I can understand that have you got a good support network around you well do you know in the first days um people rallied around me some some over six years ago now um and I had quite a lot of friends I'm sad to say I lost many of them simply because they didn't know how to cope with me. Um, they didn't know what to do for me. And you go out with people and you say, oh, sorry, I, you know, I can't cope with the noise of the cups and the saucers and the cutlery. I've got to go home. And in the end, they don't invite you because they know it's a problem. So um, yeah. I've got a small nucleus of friends who are superb. And I went to a birthday party last week and they said, would five o'clock suit you and would outdoors be better for you? Perfect. And I thought, how wonderful. That's nice. Yeah. That's so nice. They I, understand. I, yeah, yeah. And they've lived with me right through it because I've known them for a lot of time. But, you know, life is changing again. I'm, I'm feeling very good. Um, I'm thinking, what am I going to do next? <laughs> See, I'm still at it. Um, the door closed and I thought, okay, what am I going to do now? And I have a big shed in my garden with all the things in it when I closed down my studio. And I thought, okay, I don't want to paint yeah. that. What do I want to do? And the only thing I want to do at the moment is put my hands in clay. Brilliant. And it's, it's very grounding. It's very, very rewarding. Um, my brother very sadly died tragically about eight years ago. Um, you may have heard of the Hindhead coach disaster. Um, no. They were on a coach coming home from the pop festival on oh, the Isle God. of Wight and it crashed. A tire oh. blew. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't his yeah. fault at all. But um, after his death, 
The only thing that brought me back to me was playing with clay. It's very grounding because it's made of earth. That's where I'm at again at the moment. I want to play with clay. The oven clay, is that? or The clay that goes in the kiln. And the kiln? Well, both. Yeah, I've got both. And what do you make? Yeah, I've, I've got a friend that's got a kiln, so I've been using some of the proper clay, and I've been making angels. Oh, lovely, lovely. Um, and hearts. Yeah. And um, I also got some air dry clay to try. And with that, I made some more hearts. And I want to start making some beads. I, I know what I want to yes, do with it. Yes. Um, but I would like, there's some pots that I'd like to make. One of the things I found during lockdown was my garden. My front garden is blue palettes. I painted them blue with lots of pots on it. And my back garden recently, I bought an old table and painted it lime green. Two bedside cabinets got painted black and pink. They're all in the garden with all the pots at different levels on it. I bought tomatoes and lettuce and cucumber. Oh. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm earthing myself is what yes, I would say. Yeah. Yes. So um, now is the season I just, for earthing for you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I know you said life is about vibrational energy. Can you explain that a bit more, please? Um, yeah, it's kind of a hard one to explain. Um, I believe we're always at where we're meant to be because it couldn't be any other way because you can't change it. There's no point in me saying, I wish I'd done that or I wish I'd done the other because you didn't and you're here right now. So in this now moment is all we've got. And I believe that whatever the feelings, the, the energy that I call it inside us, because I, I worked with auras as well and color. Yeah. Um, we're attracted to similar people. So I'm not going to be attracted to 50 or 100 people that do A, B, and C. I will be attracted to people now, not necessarily people with brain injuries. I don't mean that. But I will be attracted to people right now that are interested in clay because I'm interested in clay. Yes. And and I think our vibrational energy opens up and matches that. And so I, I think we're always in the right place at the right time and it's a bit hard to believe that when you think of the nasty accident I had but even that I looked for the positive in it in the end um so yeah I think your energy expands your aura expands I feel people I think I've been like that since a child uh but you say you're um, empathetic very yeah 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 I and I think you know and I still have that great empathy now. So when I'm out with a group of people, um, it's almost like I know what they're feeling. Um, yeah. So yeah. there are times when I have to just step back and, yeah. and close that down. Yeah, no, certainly. We're going to move on to the quick fire questions. So I'll just ask you a question and you just give a quick answer. Okay. <laughs> this, is, this, is a, this is the fun bit. <laughs> is it? Okay. <laughs> Your favourite holiday. Oh, gosh, can I, I've got to pick one. Um, Italy, a magical holiday. Wow. And I, I've got this thing about Italy. I love it. Yes, yes. No, I like Italy. I like Italy. Your favourite meal? Oh, I, do, I love Italian food for that reason. Yeah, anything Italian. Um, and, and, you know, I'm a happy bunny. Yeah. <laughs> what makes you smile? Oh, 
do you know what? It's young kids that are totally free, that haven't got a clue where life is going to take them. They're right in the moment. And I was on the beach the other day watching these children playing, making sandcastles, running in and out of the water with their parents on these little float boat things. Yeah. Their smiles, their squeals, which is a bit heavy on my ears yeah. at times. But do you know what? I, I always smile. It's a joy. Yes, it is. What's on your bedside table at the moment? <laughs> oh gosh, I'm glad you can't see it. Um, well, there's two angels um, from different friends, and about fifteen books and my clock. <laughs> oh, lovely! And what's your favourite book? What book are you reading at the moment? Something marvelous ways, and I can't remember the first bit of the title. Um, what's it and it's about? about a woman who must be ninety or a hundred. I don't know. And it's going back over her life. And it's it's deep in places. It is beautiful. The book is ostensibly about love in many, many different ways. But I read the book about 18 months ago. And I picked it up the other day. And I thought, I have to read this book again. Um, and the other one that I do reread often was The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, that's another one I've yeah. got. But I need to read. I've got so many books that I need to read. <laughs> Two things you're grateful for? I guess my intuition, um, because it carries me through. Um, it's very strong. I think I was born with it. Um, I didn't know what it was about, and I let it you know, dip back into the past and drop away, and that, that is in the foreground. So my intuition will always carry me through. And despite everything, I would say my health. Right yeah. now, I am good. I am healthy. I'm clean. I've altered my diet. Um, and I wake up every day and I think I've woken up alive and alert. Yes, yes. What advice would you give to someone struggling right now? It will pass. It will pass. Truly, it will. Um, it's finding ways that's right for you to to address whatever your problem might be. And don't do what I did. and stuff down everything for seven years yeah. um, and end up getting ill because when we suppress, we just push it further and further down. So then we have to peel off the layers to come back forward. And if we can live in the now moment and enjoy, and as we were talking about earlier, it's um, gratitude for everything and positivity. Yeah, that is one of my favorite sayings. This too will pass. I'm yeah. always telling myself that this too will pass. And it does. It does. We often it don't does, see yeah. it when we're going through it. We can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but it does. It does pass. It yeah. Does. When in life have you felt most alone? Oh, um, dark night of the soul. Um, hard one. I think probably it was at the end of my first marriage when I was 21 because I didn't know why. I didn't understand why. Yeah. And I felt very alone because we <clears throat> we were living in South Wales and the company did the dirty on us and gave my husband's job to somebody else. And we had to move to Gatwick Airport and to Sussex and we bought a house um, and neither of us wanted that. Um, and so we were working together 24-7 and that didn't work out. And I didn't know my way out through that. Neither did he. We, we both took it because there was no option. Yeah. So there were many, many dark nights of the soul um, in that period of my life. And what got you through? Work. And that's all I could do at that time. I ran yeah. away from the marriage and um, 
uh, joined PO and went to sea and had a lovely time. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah, I was an assistant purser on a ship, and um, and that brought up lovely things again. When I say about the prophet in Carl Gibran, um, uh, a lot of my friends do know this, a lot don't, but um, I had the pleasure of spending time with David Bowie um, in that time of my life, and um, it really changed a lot about how I felt of life and how I thought. In what way? I was what missing I... opportunities because I was stuffing stuff down inside me. Yes, and we yes. had many conversations um, about what I was missing in life and how if I took that next step, opened that door without going into fear each time, that life could change for me. Um, and it was it was a very lovely time that I spent with him. It was when I was working on a ship. Is he a spiritual person? Very. Do you know what? What you see on stage is just a stage persona. I met him back in the 70s, the early 70s. And um, even then, I I have to tell you, I didn't know who he was. I haven't got a clue. Um, He was, um, my ship was about to dock in Southampton and he hopped up on my desk cross-legged. I think that should have told me who he was, (laughs) but I had no idea. And I just said, get off my desk or I'm out of a job. And the person walked by and said, get that man off your desk he said not until you come back to London with me oh. um I went oh I can't do that I can't do that am I I've got to be on duty and my ship sailing tomorrow he said just the afternoon come back to London with me and my girlfriend on the ship said oh gosh why don't you go up for the afternoon I'll take care of everything she said you know who he is um and I said to him I know who you are I've had your passport you know during this voyage it's part of my job and he goes oh yes so oh, yes and then we got back to London and I had a drink and whatever whatever and we were just chatting and um he says you don't know who I am do you and I went of course no. I do <laughs> Mr Jones <laughs> and I went me and Mr Jones I, you're Mr Jones and you're the same birthday as my ex-husband and he goes yeah well that's right um and then he offered me something and I went, Ooh, no, that's not my scene. And he yeah. said, Well, I need need I need something a little stronger. And I said, You've picked the wrong woman. Yeah. And he just said, It's been a joy being with you. I said, you know, I've got to get back to my ship. And he just said, I'm pleased that you spent the time with me. And I said, Why did you choose me? You know, there were umpteen women yeah. on that ship. Yeah. Why me? And he said, because you didn't know who I was. Yeah. I truly didn't. I didn't. But I, I, millions of lovely things have happened in my life. Just amazing. Yeah. No, it's amazing. And thank you so much for sharing. It's, it's been lovely. It's been lovely to see how you've got through and the perseverance. And you won't give up. And the positivity. It's the positivity. I think that's what gets people through, isn't it? It's a positive approach and the mindset. And the, no matter what you're going through, it's, it's it's all down to the mindset isn't it it is but you know it's a hard place to get to to get out of the other aspect of mindset into the positivity it's not like you can just say to somebody well stop thinking that and do this and do that it isn't just that easy no um so mine was built up of many many years of different modalities different healing spiritual healing reiki healing aromatherapy massage i've done it all um i am psychic i'm intuitive um and and i've just opened those up closed them down opened them up um but you know as you said earlier one of your sayings is this too will pass and i think if we can hang on to the fact that it's transitory this is just where you're at at the moment but it will get better yeah yeah, and what a lovely note to end on. That is lovely. <laughs> that thank is lovely. you. Thank you. We'd like to thank Freya for opening up and sharing her journey. 
He pushed all the hurt and pain down and hid in work. The universe had other plans and she had to stop and deal with her pain and through it she found peace. I think the thought of the day is, what are we pushing down deep within? What are we running from? From experience I know, it eventually affects our health and happiness. Facing the demons is never as bad as we think, so maybe today we could take time to think about what we're pushing down, what we're running from, and maybe just bit by bit, we just start maybe going to some healing therapy, counselling. We just start opening up and find find that healing and face those demons. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening today. And we look forward to the next podcast. Bye.